talking about prayer tonight. We'll add a few more chairs. And um, we're going to be looking in uh, James chapter 5, verse 16. We're also going to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. James, James chapter 5, uh, beginning with verse 16, mainly verse 16. And then um, we'll look at 1 Timothy chapter 12. And um, uh, I would entitle tonight's study, Pray First. Pray First. And... Um, 1 Timothy, let me switch back over there. Hey, uh, I really appreciate that little book. Oh, yeah. That one. That, You're I got, I got to, uh, he gave me this little book by Annette Caps that I talked about a little bit on Sunday. And it got me like, because I love physics. Yeah. And so I was looking and I found out in May they actually got a picture of the electrons. <laughs> like, because normally it's just points and stuff. And they actually got a picture of them. And it was pretty cool. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, it was a, it was a big... Really? I'm going to send you something you can Oh. It's like a three-minute thing. It's like the easiest way to understand quantum. It's like really... Oh, I would love it, yeah. He's a professor. He's a real well-known professor. He used to be at Maryland when he started the company. He just raised $50 million. Oh, that's awesome. He raised $20 million before. Oh, wow. Yeah, I mean, Youngie Cho, I don't know if you guys know Youngie Cho, but he was, uh, was the, he's the founding pastor of the largest church in the world in uh, Seoul, South Korea. So before he... Uh, stepped away from being the senior pastor, they were just, just about at a million members in the church. And um, if you ever watch some of their services online and they start to pray, man, they start praying in the Holy Ghost and it sounds like, if you've ever been to Niagara Falls or someplace like that where a huge falls, it's just like a roar and a rush and, you know, it's an awesome ministry. But he called, uh, you know, what Annette Caps is calling, and uh, I don't know what she called it, but uh, he called it the fourth dimension. Mm -hmm. It's really the realm of faith and the realm of the spirit. And uh, it's amazing because uh, you really can, sh you do shape and change your world through what you believe and what you say, whether you are conscious that that's what you're doing or not. Uh, Dad Hagen used to tell us, he said, if you don't like what you uh, see in front of you or what you have today, look at what you said yesterday. And he'd always say, I don't mean like yesterday as in Tuesday. I mean like, you know, in the recent past, what have you been believing? What have you been saying? Because that's what you are actually walking out today. That's what you're experiencing. So if you don't like what you're seeing, change what you're believing and what you're saying. Uh, because it actually, uh, your words that you speak, that you believe, affect the here and the now. And um, many times, maybe you could even say much of the time, uh, we're not as conscious as we should be of what we're actually saying from a place of belief. Like we think as a believer, if you've heard it, you think like you're saying one thing, but it's good to have uh, like the guy that they let down so Jesus could heal him through the roof. It's good to have four crazy faith friends uh, that can tell you, you know what? Uh, uh, a lot of things you're saying I don't think is what you actually want to be saying. I don't think that's what you actually want to be believing uh, because a lot of times you don't realize until you hear yourself say it. Uh, and um, so, praise the Lord. First Timothy chapter 2, uh, Paul said to Timothy, he said, I exhort, first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. And so many people, uh, you could read to verse 2, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. Now, verse 2 is not uh, what the Lord put on my heart for tonight, so that's not the focus. Uh, the focus is pray first. Because the first thing he says to Timothy, and if you, if you have time, uh, 
in the next week or something, you can read chapter 1. And he talks about just some general instructions for Timothy. And then he says, uh, knowing this, verse 9 in chapter 1, that the law is not made for a righteous man, but it's actually made for the unrighteous. And then he goes on like for adulterers and whoremongers and thieves and all these people. So the law, uh, when you're born again, you actually are made the righteousness of God in Christ. It's a twofold thing. Okay, and so we're going to kind of hone in a little bit on the righteousness of prayer tonight or uh, the righteous man or woman praying. But righteousness comes, first of all, when you are born again. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Well, he said, behold, all things have become new, 2 Corinthians 5.17, meaning we have to take a look at that and see that all things have become new because even though they have become new, if you don't see it, it's not going to affect how you live your life. But the second that that light comes and you see it, this changes everything. So now you, you, you like uh, we're going to read in uh, James chapter 5, you can pray like Elijah prayed. He was a, a man subject to like passions as we are and he prayed, and it stopped raining, then he prayed and it started raining, right? We'll, we'll read that in just a second. But um, your position in prayer or your, your rapport with God when you pray or how you kind of think about it when you approach what we call the throne of grace, or the Bible calls it the throne of grace, and um, when you approach that throne room, your consciousness makes a difference of whether your prayers get through or not and your understanding. In other words, you have to understand, behold, that you are a righteous man, a righteous woman. Behold, that you actually have a place here. And you have to understand the reason that you have a place is because of the blood of Jesus and because of what Jesus himself has done. So if you come any other way, uh, you're not getting in. You may be the kindest person and, you know, you may sacrifice, uh, you know, like uh, 1 Corinthians th uh, 13 talks about. You could sacrifice your body to be burned. You could be a martyr. You could give all of your money. You could give all of your time. And, uh, you know, but if you don't have love, it doesn't amount to anything. Well, uh, if you don't come by the blood of Jesus, you are not getting in there. And it doesn't change God's love for you one bit. Actually, his love for you was fully expressed in the sacrificial blood of Jesus Christ. And so when you come any other way, um, uh, you're going to have some trouble getting in. So uh, Dad Hagen talked about uh, when he had first started pastoring one of his churches, he, um, it, it kind of bothered him all the way through. And so um, I don't know if you know what he means by this, but he's like, I was kind of like, Lord, we're going to have a discussion about this because I don't like this. And what he noticed was there was a lady, two ladies in his church, both had like two or three kids. And um, one lady, she was very faithful, and she was always there, never miss a Sunday, always gave, always tithed, just, you know, you'd, everybody would look outwardly, or if they could see, like, the giving record and stuff like that, they'd be like, man, that is a woman of the Lord, and she's always faithful, always serving. And uh, she would call for the pastor, which was Brother Hagin, to come pray for her kids, and when she would, you know, um, they were never healed. Yet this other lady, who was sporadic in attendance, and who, uh, I think he said she maybe gave a dime once or something like that, which is a lot more money than a dime now. But um, she'd call for the pastor to come, Brother Hagen, and he'd come. And every single time, those kids were like instantly healed. Every single time. 
So he was kind of like, he had just been at the lady's house where the kids didn't get healed. And he's, he was kind of having it out with the Lord, is what he said. He's like, I was like, Lord, what is going on? Like, why is this this way? And he said, all of a sudden, when I was, uh, you know, kind of challenging the Lord that way and saying, Lord, like, why is it this way? He said, all of a sudden, I saw myself go into the lady's house who was very unfaithful. And he said, when I saw myself go into her house, she was like two or three blocks from his house. So he'd walk there. And when he got across the street, she would meet him across the street and usher him into the house. He said the only time, the closest he ever got to getting in the house was she was halfway on the porch waiting for him. He said, so she had such great honor for the office. He said, and then I heard her say, oh, you know, I may not be much. I mess up a lot, but I know God loves my children. He loves those kids. So I know if you'll uh, lay hands on them and pray, they'll be healed. And he said, then he saw himself at the other lady's house. So he'd go, and he'd go knock on the door. Nobody answered. They had called him to ask him to come. So he'd knock louder. Nobody answered. So he said, I get my pocket knife out and hit the metal of the door to try and make it louder. Nobody came. And he thought, well, man, they just called, so I'm going to run around back. So he went to go around the back, and then somebody kind of opened the door and said, hey, what's up? He's like, and they saw him and said, oh, it's you. Well, come in. You know, whenever you come and pray, my kids never get healed. He said, then I have my answer. It had nothing to do with their faithfulness in serving because God doesn't reward um, your faithfulness by healing you or providing for you or making access for you or giving you favor. That is part of being born again into the kingdom of God. That's how you get to be righteous is you're born again. You know, he used to have a thing where he'd say to people, are you a man or a woman? And uh, it was not as applicable today because people are so confused. But he, he, he would say that and they would almost be offended. Well, I'm a man, you know. And he's like, well, how'd you get to be that way? And he said, well, I was born that way. He said, that's exactly how you get to be righteous. I said that to a little guy. He's probably 50 years old, but he was short. You know, he, he was a pretty short guy. And I said that to him uh, at the church I used to minister at in Michigan. And um, that man, when I told him, I said, you're as righteous as Jesus is. He literally stumbled backwards three or four steps and almost fell over. Because he, he's like, how could you ever say anything like that? And I said, well, because that's what God said about you in the Word. And the way you got to be that way is you were born that way when you were born again. So anytime that we approach the Lord um, in anything, but especially in prayer, we have to understand who we are and how we got to be that way. And who we are is a child of God, a member of the family. And how we got to be that way was believing in Jesus. And then his righteousness became our righteousness. And our unrighteousness or our lack of favor with God or the lack of our ability to have the grace of God or the gift of God, all of that was put on Christ. Really, it sent him to hell. And then he defeated all of that in hell. You know, he freely received it. But his receiving of our sin, he was made sin, 1 Corinthians, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.21, he was made to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. So he didn't just take on your sins, he actually became sin itself. So in other words, it wasn't just something that was like uh, painted on top of him, uh, he embodied it. So that in every point, at the deepest point of existence, he could take all of it so that we could be made the righteousness of God in, in, in Christ, in Him. So Paul tells Timothy, he said, uh, you know, because 
these guys are all, uh, in chapter 1, uh, they're talking about, you know, uh, knowing this, that the law is not made for the righteous man. Well, how could that be? Well, that could be because the righteous man has been made right with God and has been changed, is a new creature. So actually, you, you don't need the law per se. And Jesus kind of like said, you know what, forget about all the other stuff. The whole law is fulfilled in one thing, love. So if you walk in love, you actually fulfill the entire law. And you will notice if you walk in love, you are yielding to the same spirit that you yield to when you pray in other tongues. You're yielding to the Holy Spirit. That's how the love of God comes into a believer, that the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And so when that love comes, that, that, um, that's when God comes, because God is love. And so you have the love of God. And working with, I would call it, like working with the love of God is, is just like praying in the Spirit or flowing in prayer. Ephesians 6.18, probably my most favorite scripture on prayer, is uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. Same thing Paul told Timothy here, pray for all men. Then he goes to all to be in authority. But again, I'm not focusing on that. Uh, he is saying, first of all, pray. Because you see this in chapter 1. It's like a mess. These, these, these people are just doing all this type of stuff. And they feel like, well, you have to have the law. And do you need to be circumcised? Do you not need to be circumcised? And he said, no, no, no. If you're going to go back to that, you've got to go back under the law. But you're not under the law. You're under grace. And so now you actually have freedom. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. There is freedom. So the law brings you into bondage, but the Spirit of the Lord brings you into freedom. Now that doesn't mean, you know, you have to say this sometimes because of how people... Um, uh, do you understand when you hear the Word of God spoken or you read the Word of God... It's really important that you look and see it for yourself and meditate on it for yourself because people hear with different ears. Jesus said, be real careful how you hear and what you hear. Because, um, you know, people say like, well, then I have no law. I can do whatever I want. Well, you didn't read even Galatians then, you know, where Paul talked a lot about grace. Um, but it's not, a, it's not a license to sin and do what you want. When you are born again, your want to changes because your nature has been changed. So if you're having trouble with your desires, well, number one, be born again. And if you're born again, then number two, uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Behold, if any man be in Christ, you need to see who you are in Christ. Because the more that you look into that mirror of the word concerning who you are in Christ, the more you will reflect that. And the more you will display that, and the more you'll say, oh man, the, I saw the Lord, I don't mean like an image of him, but I saw the Lord in the sunrise this morning. Or when I was talking to so-and-so, I, I knew that was the Lord ministering to me uh, and to them and through me. And you find that you become God conscious or God inside minded. Uh, you know, in First John where it says, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So, First of all, pray. Whatever the situation is in your life, in my life, first thing you should do is pray. And you need to ask yourself in every situation, have I prayed? And when I say pray, I don't mean make a request to God alone. I mean, 
have you opened your heart to the Lord concerning this situation? Because you need God to speak, not just you to speak. Because when you pray, if you're really connecting with the Lord, He will speak. But if you don't, He's a perfect gentleman. So if you don't make room for Him to speak, well, you'll just have like a monologue and you'll be telling Him all about the problem and you'll walk away and say, okay. And you had the one with the purest, truest, fullest answer and you wouldn't shut up. <laughs> now, nobody's ever done that here, right? <laughs> I think I said a couple weeks ago on Sunday, you know, people think, well, I'm going to get more faith. I'm, I'm going to be a person of faith, so I'm just going to pray a lot, pray a lot, pray a lot. Well, if you're praying a lot and you're doing all the talking and you're not stopping to listen to the Lord, no faith will come. So if faith does come when you pray, that's because God spoke to you. Because faith comes by hearing God speak. You know, hearing the word, word of God. When God speaks, that's his word. And whenever he does speak, uh, it will always be in line with this, with the written word. It's never going to be outside. The word and the spirit agree. So, so that's kind of like a, you know, a prerequisite. But Paul told Timothy, first of all, pray. First thing you need to do is pray. And um, a lack of prayer is actually a sign of pride. So that's saying, when you pray, that's a sign of humility. In other words, that is reaching, prayer is reaching out to God and looking to God. But if you decide not to pray or you don't need to pray, then that, that's uh, many times a sign of pride. Now, you cannot pray about certain things if you are praying without ceasing. In other words, you're living a lifestyle of prayer, so you kind of have an attitude of prayer. You're always um, looking to the Lord from the inside, from your spirit. I'm not talking from your head. I'm talking about from your spirit. So you're in connection and communion with the Lord. So sometimes people ask me, hey, um, Pastor, would you do this? You know, go ahead and pray about it. And I'll say, well, I don't need to pray about it. Because I know right here on the inside, I have a witness on the inside, I'm supposed to do that. So I don't, you know, I can pray about it, but it's not really a lot of use because I'm in communion with the Lord. You know, I'm like, I checked right now in my spirit. In other words, I look to my spirit and through my spirit look to the Lord. And so really, you could call it, I prayed a little prayer right there. But I'm conscious of, you know, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they're the sons of God. So the Lord speaks to you, leads you, guides you through your spirit. Do you understand Understand, And so, um, but if you have situations that you are like worried about and concerned about and you're not taking those requests to the Lord and turning them to the Lord, uh, you're in pride. And you may not think you're in pride because you may feel like, well, no, I'm in despair. I don't know what to do. I'm all consumed and all this type of stuff. Well, you need to turn your heart to the Lord because even though you may feel defeated and you're like, how can that be pride? That's still pride. You're looking to yourself. You're not looking to the Lord. And you know you're looking to the Lord because you get a note of victory. And you're like, this is great. Because as soon as I get this out of my hands and into the Lord's hands, then I've got total freedom. Because He's working on it instead of me working on it. And, you know, He can do a lot better job than you and way better than me. Uh, he specializes in those things. So Paul said, I exert, first of all, that prayers, supplications, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. All right, now let's, um, I'm going to just put that on a pause right there and we'll turn over to um, James chapter 5.
All right, James chapter 5, verse 16, and we'll read down through um, verse 18. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Isaiah was a man subject to like passions as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain, and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the earth gave rain, and the earth brought forth her fruit. Notice he said, uh, after he says, confess your faults for one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Or anybody know how the Amplified says that or have the Amplified? I could quote it, but I'd rather somebody read it. Okay, go ahead. Whenever you, whenever you find it. Yeah, I like the, it's, it's dynamic. Dynamic means the energizing force that produces motion and action. So that kind of prayer uh, will, will make an effect on the situation. And um, if you actually look at um, the word for effectual in the Greek, it's the Greek word energeo, which basically is a root word for energy. And it means uh, a prayer of a just man wrought in him or worked in him by divine energy. So it's a prayer in a righteous man that is worked or wrought through divine energy. In other words, you have connected with the Spirit of the Lord and you have unction from Him and that is pushing this prayer out. That's birthing this prayer. Um, another part of the definition says it's energy put forth from within in effectual operation. So what James is saying is the prayer of a righteous man is a prayer that puts the Spirit of God in motion in the prayer and gives you utterance. It reminds me of Ephesians 6, 18. Uh, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. Literally it means as you are led by the Spirit or as you have unction from the Spirit. And so when you pray like that, you are going to get results. And when you pray with that consciousness, then you pray with a boldness that you don't have otherwise because when you understand, wait a minute, I am the righteousness of God. In other words, there's nothing wrong about me in Christ. You, you may have just had a situation where you messed up, you know you messed up, but if you don't identify with the mess up, but you identify with Jesus, then it doesn't have to affect your prayer life. You know, if you, if you, if you, uh, you know, sinned and made a mistake, what do you do? You confess your sins. He's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. And then you refuse to entertain it at all because God forgot it. He cast into the sea of forgetfulness. So it actually doesn't exist. And the only place it comes from is your memory or the devil try to bring you a picture so he can paralyze you. Because if I can get you to say like, uh, you know, um, people do this all the time where they'll... Um, make some mistakes and different things like that, and they'll be like, well, I'm not going to church because I mess up. So I'm not going to come with believers. It is such a tactic of the enemy because he wants to keep you separated. If he can separate you, he can conquer you. Divide and conquer. 
and, and he will get you. Why? Because when you come together, uh, literally the ecclesia or the church gathering is an, is an assembly of believers, but it can also be unbelievers because literally it means it's an assembly for a meeting that God himself has called, both saved and unsaved. So really a church uh, service is intended biblically to be an event where people are responding to the Lord. And it's also, uh, it has roots in the authorities of the Greek culture where they would come together to make authoritative decisions. So whether you realize it or not, the government is on the shoulders of Jesus, not the other way around. So we're not looking for the government to uphold the church. It's like actually the church is to uphold the government, and we are very responsible for things that happen in the political arena uh, in our nation and other nations where we have authority. You know, unless you're from another nation, you don't have a lot of authority over there. But you know, our government, praise the Lord, is of the people, by the people, for the people. So actually, we have more authority than the senators and congressmen. Now, they may be making some decisions because they're our representatives, but they represent us. They're, they're supposed to represent us. <laughs> Okay, the plan is, what is that? That's the Constitution. It's an authoritative plan. So God works in authorities. There is no, the reason that there are authorities is authority, the authoritarian structure was given by God and is of God. That doesn't mean that every authority is of God, like the Lord is approving of this person killing all these people. You understand that? But God put authorities in place, and He works through authorities. And so when you come together uh, as believers there's really some significant things that are supposed to be happening. Some of them you're aware of, some of them you're not. But the voice of believers that come together yielded to the Lord can change nations and can change lives and can change homes. And when you know, hey, I'm not doing this as Tim. That's my name. Uh, I'm not doing this as someone that's 44 years old and has these experiences. I am doing this as a representative of the Lord Jesus Christ from His authority and by the power of His blood. I have access because of Him. It's not, it's not my faithfulness that brings me in. It is His faithfulness. Jesus said that, Mark eleven twenty two. 22, have faith in God. Lay hold of the faithfulness of God. In other words, you could almost say, stop trying to do all this stuff in your own power, your own strength, your own works. You lay hold of the faithfulness of God and never let go. And when you grab hold of the faithfulness of God and that's how you go to prayer, you get answers and, and you find out things and you get uh, light and understanding. And uh, it, it is amazing what the Lord can do through a yielded person. Uh, he actually said, I sought for a man or a woman, a person who would stand in the gap, make up the hedge, but I found none. That's kind of an indictment, right? So we want to be those that are available to the Lord and open to the Lord. You say, well, I pray all the time. Well, that's why I say, what do you mean when you say you pray? Do you make yourself available for the Lord to flow through this inner gale or this energy that there is an inward unction that comes from God himself when you pray will make your prayer like the prayers of Elijah that he prayed and for three years the heavens stopped up the rain. And then he prayed again, and the rains came. That's pretty phenomenal. 
the prayer of a righteous man is a powerful and effective dynamic in its working. But he said, then in verse 17, he said, Elijah was a man subject to like passions as we are. So he didn't say Elijah was a prophet and did this. He said Elijah was a man, just like you, just like me. You know, the Bible means mankind when it says man most of the time. Elijah was a person, subject. So number one, he was a person. Sorry, if you're a person, that's also you, like a whosoever. <laughs> number two, subject to like passions like as we are. So after Elijah did all this, saw the power of God as a righteous man, ran under the anointing so much that he outran the king's chariots. Now, if you're not familiar with horses and the speed of horses, come out where I live because there's a racehorse area. And you see like how fast these horses are. When I was a 14, 15-year-old boy, I worked on a racehorse farm not too far from where we live now. And so we would take two-year-olds and uh, they would train them, get them ready, take them to the track. And, you know, those horses are fast. Elijah outran those horses, the king's horses, which were the best that you could get. Right? So under the power. But then after that, Jezebel's like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take your head off. I'm going to kill you. And he's like, Lord, I wish I was dead. I'm the only one. Nobody loves you like me. There's nobody else. And the Lord said, really? I have 7,000 who have not bowed their knee to Baal. So don't think like you're that special. It's like uh, the Lord's like, you are special and unique. And I like to say, like everybody else. <laughs> Do you understand? When the Lord looked, I mean, Jesus would have died for only you if you were the only one that would have received him. So you are you are extravagantly special to him. But you're not exclusively special, uh, you know, pushing everybody else away, right? The Lord is, he is love. And um, many other things, but he is love. And so he's subject to like passions. So maybe you said before, I wish I was dead. And you say, well, like, well, I can't even pray right because, you know, I said I wish I was dead or, you know, I'm so stupid or whatever. No, you just like repent and move on. You say, Lord, forgive me. I ought not to be thinking that way. I ought not to be talking that way. You don't let those things come out of my mouth. And then, what do you do? You act in faith. I have to do that. I have to say, wait a minute. Is 1 John 1, 9 in the Bible or is it not? If you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Is it in the Bible? Yes. It's actually in the New Testament. It's actually in the epistles that are letters written to the church. So it's specifically to us. And at the beginning of 1 John, it's talking about believers. So it's actually written to believers. And so, uh, you know, the same way if you have doubts like, am I born again? Am I saved? And um, maybe you do, maybe you don't. I used to, when I grew up, um, because I misunderstood some things they were teaching in the denomination I was in, I thought, man, if you'd had any little sin, you'd lose your salvation. So I prayed the prayer of salvation hundreds of times. <laughs> I mean, I'm the most safe person you ever met. No. <laughs> Until actually when I went to Ramah and they started teaching me the word, what the word said on it. And I'm like, well, the word says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth, you know, believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, you will be saved. And I'm like, well, this is an issue of faith. And I believe that. 
Well, then later, you know, you may mess up and have, you know, mistakes. Sometimes you do that as a believer. And so you go 1 John 1, 9. Well, you act on 1 John 1, 9, whether it feels like that's true or not. That's an act of faith. In other words, uh, you have to, sometime the rubber has to meet the road in your life. Either you believe the word or you don't. So you look and say, if I confess my sins, he is faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me. So I just say, all right, I believe that. And I then absolutely refuse to allow any doubt concerning that scripture. I refuse to allow anything. My heart's always open to the Lord. Right? So I may have an area that I'm not aware of that I've messed up in or something. And if the Lord addresses it with me, certainly, you know, I'm like, okay, Lord, forgive me. I'll, I'll change. I didn't realize that the, I was doing that. And uh, please forgive me. And then the Lord, uh, you are cleansed. I remember one time, um, actually, if you know, you know, we, we got to travel with Kenneth Hagin, which was just such a, like a awesome experience of a lifetime. Sown so much into us taught us so much. And, um, but the first time that uh, Jesus appeared to him, you know, he's like in shock and awe, right? So he's like, whoa. And um, so he fell at Jesus' feet, he said. And I said, oh, Lord, no one unwor as unworthy as I am have ever been worthy to be in your presence. And he's crying at his feet. And Jesus said, he said, Jesus got real stern with me. He said, stand up right on your feet. You are worthy. My blood has made you worthy. And man, you know how the Lord will use, you know, well, different ministers the Lord will use to um, really speak to you. And so obviously Kenneth Hagin is one the Lord's really used uh, in my life. And um, man, that had such an impact on me because I realized, wait a second, anytime that I am saying like, even just feeling, have an attitude or a stench of unworthiness about me going into the presence of the Lord, I am actually dishonoring the blood of Jesus. Like I'm saying, you know what? The blood of Jesus was maybe enough for Jessica, but it's not enough for me. Like my sin is more unique than Jessica's sin or whatever. My mistakes or the fact that I haven't achieved like other people, right? Or I haven't been to training, certain training, or haven't whatever it would be, or don't have a certain position or income or whatever. You know, the devil works in like as many ways as you'll let him. And so, but that's really like a stench in the nostrils of God because you are discounting the power of the blood of Jesus. And so if you have trouble with righteousness, consciousness, in other words, being conscious that God loves you and He wants to talk with you every day and He wants to do things for you. He wants to, like, He has like a blank check on His desk that He wants to write out according to what you asked for. If you have trouble with that, you just start to magnify the blood of Jesus and look at the blood of Jesus. Read Hebrews about the blood, the sprinkling of the blood. The blood is how we get in. And the more you focus on the blood, the less you focus on yourself and either your <laughs> achievements or your failings. And then you'll get right into the presence of God by accident. Because when you focus on the blood, you just automatically start praising the Lord because when you start to be conscious of the power of the blood and the depth of effect that the blood has had on your life, but not just your life, the life of the worst sinner you can possibly think of right now, that blood has redeemed all of mankind. You think of that. That's not humanly possible. 
You think of all of the failings and mistakes of humans. And there is a substance and a life in that substance called the blood of Jesus that totally cancels out all of the sin, all of the mistakes, all of the failings, all of the uh, inabilities, all of the weakness. And it's the blood of Jesus. And that blood has made you worthy to come into the presence of God and made you worthy and favored of God himself that he invites you in. Like, he is more anticipating you coming to fellowship or get close intimately with him than what you are. Somebody said, I'm waiting on the Lord. No, really, he's waiting on you. He's waiting on me. It's not a matter of um, when the Lord gets ready to do something. I was telling somebody this past Sunday, you know, one of my favorite uh, uh, scripture I love is um, uh, Matthew 18, 19. It says, if two of you no, yeah, um, agree on earth to touch anything, um, they'll have it. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Well, um, I'm not saying too much, but P.C. Nelson, who uh, could fluently write and read 32 and speak 32 languages. And he was the number one at the time he died. He was the number one Greek scholar in the United States and number two Hebrew scholar in the world. And so he did all of his private devotions in the original Greek. I'm working on that myself. But I only do like a few words here and there. Um, so I'm nothing compared to that. <laughs> nothing, but thanks for the blood. Okay. And so um, he said at the time he was alive, the A.S. World's translation was the closest to the original Greek of any other translation. So Rama, Kenneth Hagin found out about that and it had been out of print. So they, they bought the rights to it and brought it back into print. So when I was at school, I bought an A.S. World translation. So in A.S. World's translation of Matthew 18, 19 there, or whatever the verse is right after that, where it says, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, loose on earth, loose in heaven. It literally says, whatever you bind on earth, now listen carefully, shall have been bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall have been loosed in heaven. And I saw that, and when I read that, you know, my spirit, I knew, I'm like, there's something there. I, I don't understand that. You know, first in my head, is like, what is that? And you know, you were redeemed over 2,000 years ago. And say sometime in the last 100 years, you accepted Christ. So it just became a reality in your life within the last 100 years, because I don't know what age everybody was when they accepted the Lord. But the second that you accepted the Lord, it was as if, it was already done 2,000 years ago for you in heaven. That's why I love that translation. Whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound, but it's as if until you bind it, it's not already considered done as a finished thing 2,000 years ago, but the second you take your position of authority and your position in the kingdom, it was, it's not like it just happened right then. It was done. In other words, the reality of the gospel message of the cross came to your house then as if it had been there, uh, it is written for 2,000 years. And what's awesome is Christ was as a lamb slain before the foundation of the world, so even it's further back than 2,000 years ago. But the finite mind, you know, you can kind of grab hold of the 2,000-year thing a little easier. Whatever, whatever you bind on earth shall have been bound in heaven. So what I'm saying is, when you get in line with the Word of God and you begin to speak the Word of God, you come in contact 
with timeless realities or timeless truths or truths and realities that are not subject to time. In other words, you enter in to the supernatural fourth dimension. And in that dimension, you supersede the limitations of this dimension in most areas. I say most areas. Well, what is that? Well, because death is the last enemy that shall be put underfoot. And if Jesus tarries his coming, you know, all of us are going to die by 120 or less. So in that you're binding, because I've always been confused about that. You're binding bad things, losing good things. Well, you're binding the work of the enemy, yeah. So, but when you do that, it's as if it was already done. Yeah. It shall have been bound in heaven. Mm-hmm. So we say, like, Lord, I'm waiting on you. You know, we moved out here, and man, like, uh, like uh, I don't really like to tell this because, you know, people, some people want to get, like, devil conscious and stuff like that. But, you know, if we had had an attack before, a spiritual attack, it was like 10 to 100 times as intense coming out to pastor. And, uh, you know, I don't understand all of that. You know, I know you're in a higher position of authority in the body of Christ as a pastor. And then, you know, this whole area is like, you know, you can read Daniel and find out how principalities and powers, rulers of darkness like to work in authorities. Right. They, they want an inroad. Why? Because, like Paul told Timothy, pray for those that be in authority that you may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness. Well, why? There's a battle in the unseen world for authorities, because if I can affect the authority... I'm going to affect everyone that's under that authority for the most part. So how, how our government makes decisions, uh, it, it, it affects you. It affects your prayer life. It should affect your prayer life, number one, first of all, pray. But it'll affect different things. And so we, that's what, why we need to, to pray that we live a, live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. And, um, but it's, um, it's important that we take and we stand in faith on what God says we have and who God says we are. And when we do that in prayer, you'll find your prayers begin to be answered. Now, I was in um, the Southern Baptist Church for a couple years in Georgia. had a wonderful pastor. That's actually where I surrendered my life to the Lord for ministry. And um, I remember reading this verse of Scripture before I had any light on righteousness. And I remember sitting in the Sunday school classroom on the second floor, and I remember the exact room, and we studied the scripture, and I remember thinking to myself, man, if I could ever get to be righteous. I, I don't... The Lord uses different people different ways. If you make yourself available, He'll use you. And, uh, but for whatever reason, uh, I have been... Um, my whole life drawn to prayer. And so I would pray with my grandparents from a young age, you know, on, they, I call it a couch, they call it on the Davenport. So we would kneel on the Davenport and uh, at 5.30 in the morning and we would go through there, when we, I'd spend the night at my grandparents uh, for weekends or something. And uh, so we'd go through this little typed out prayer list that they'd have and we'd pray for all these people. And I believe kind of there is where something got a hold of me concerning prayer. So I always, you know, was kind of, um, pulled that way. And um, then when I would read this, and I remember, the first time I remember reading this ever was I was in that Southern Baptist Church in the Sunday school class, and I would read it, and I thought, man, that would be so awesome to be righteous like Elijah. 
If I could get to be righteous like Elijah, I could pray and things would happen and things would change. So because I had that experience, then when I started to hear, you know, the word of faith taught and I was like, we are righteous. I'm like, this is great. I can pray and it can be powerful and effective. Because like, who wants to pray and have it not be powerful and effective, right? And uh, dynamic, that's why I like amplified, dynamic in its working. Energizing force that produces motion and action. In other words, prayer changes things. This kind of prayer will make a change. So, you know, when you are, um, what was that, Lord? Um, was it over? Oh, no, it's right there in James. Yeah, thank you. Praise the Lord. This kind of prayer changes your marriage and changes your family relationships. And you can see it right there in the first part of verse 16, where it says, Confess your faults one to another. What time are we at? Oh, my. Confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, the Amplified was kind of scary to hear that part read. <laughs> I don't know if you remember when you were reading it, but tell everybody all the little things that you've done. Basically, <laughs> Amplified saying. But no, no, no. Put this in your everyday life. And, and think of Mark eleven twenty five. 25. And when you stand praying, forgive if you have any little thing against anyone. Jesus is talking about this is how faith works. Let me tell you about faith. If you want your faith to work, sure, you got to, number one, you have faith in God. Number two, you speak to this mountain and believe that the things that you say come to pass. And whatever you desire, when you pray, believe you receive them, you'll have them. And when you stand praying, forgive. Well, then James says, confess your faults one to another. Pray for one another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer. So in other words, if you've got some uh, issues with someone else, you need to kind of like talk to them and say, you know, if that's your husband, your wife, your mother, father, brother, sister, son, daughter, whatever the relationship might be, coworker, um, um, politician, most unfavorite politician. I'm not saying you need to go up to them, but you need to deal with that in your heart. So I had one particular politician that, man, that person annoyed me. And I'm like, why they do that? And the Lord's, <laughs> the Lord put on my, put on my heart. Have you prayed for them? Well, no, Lord, but you know how they're acting. <laughs> who do you think? Well, yeah, 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 yeah. One that was like the forerunner of all the rest. You know, but the Lord really dealt with my heart. So now I pray for that person very often. And you know, the first couple times I prayed for that person, it was kind of like, oh, you know, I'll just be honest because I have flesh like everybody else. I'm like, and this is horrible to say, it's not love. I'm like, do I really want something good to happen to them? <laughs> but I'm like, that is not right. But then as you put that person before the Lord, you can't, from your heart, put someone before the Lord in all honesty, and not have love. Because you're working with the Spirit of God. He's the one energizing your prayers. And He doesn't work with hate. He is the Spirit of love. So He's going to flow where there's love. And so now, oh, I, I have great anticipation to pray for this person. In fact, I'm believing God I'm going to get to pray with this person in person. And just like love on them, and, you know, I'm doing very good not to say gender or anything like that, you know. 
And, um, but they're really like, so what before you're kind of annoyed by, now your heart just goes out to them. And you're like, I, I want to pray for this person. And I'm making tremendous power available. They may never respond to it. But I know between me and the Lord, I have made tremendous power from God available to that person. That if they're not born again, they can be born again. If they are born again, they can actually start walking in love and, you know, flowing with the Lord. Tremendous power is made available when we, when we um, pray with the consciousness of who we are. Because when you pray that way, you're, um, well, Jesus said, have faith in God. So, uh, lay hold on the faithfulness of God. Or you could say, put your trust in God. Or you could say, rely upon God. Or you could say, look to the Lord. Or you could say, draw from the Lord. So when you pray, if you're praying correctly, it's not some speech that you're trying to give. It's not like a sermon you've always wanted to tell the people that are there with you. shouldn't be. It is your heart pouring out to the Lord, making your, your, your um, body and your voice and all of your substance available to the Lord to pray through. That He gives you utterance, whether in other tongues or in a language that you know. He's looking for a vessel or He's looking for someone that will stand in the gap. And you and I can be used of the Lord. And I notice the more I yield to Him in prayer, the more I'm used. The less I yield to him in prayer, the less I'm used. In other words, if you don't pray, don't expect great answers to prayer. You know, the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. They didn't say, Lord, teach us how to pray. Everybody, most people teach that, Lord, teach us how to pray. They did not say, Lord, teach us how to pray. You look in all the translations, even the original, Lord, teach us to pray. So most people's prayer problem is they don't do it. Or if they do it, they don't do it from righteousness, consciousness. So they're not really expecting that they have, that God will listen to them. Or that God wants to hear them. Or that they have a position with the Lord. But when you pray and you say, you know, just do that the next time. You know, we'll all pray here together in just a second. But do that the next time you pray by yourself. I want you just to say, I am a righteous man if you're a man. I'm a righteous woman if you're a woman. I'm going to say... You, you speak the word. I am a righteous person. And when I pray right now, tremendous power is going to be made available and it is going to be energized by the Spirit of God. You know, you don't have to remember those exact words, but, you know, put it in your own words. And you say, this is what I'm going to do, and then you do it. One thing I remember about the Dad Hagen is when we would pray in the Spirit together, I mean... <clears throat> I, it's hard for me to recall a time when he didn't do this. But we pray everything we know to pray in our understanding. And he'd say, Lord, we've prayed everything we know to pray in our understanding. And we thank you for the precious Holy Spirit. And I thank you that now we're going to pray in other tongues as you give utterance. And we're going to speak out divine mysteries and secrets and pray out anything else that needs to be prayed along these lines or any other lines. The interesting thing about that was he would just basically speak the word while he's praying about what he's praying. In other words, I'm going to pray in tongues now, and I thank you that when I pray in tongues, you give me the utterance, and anything else that we have missed is going to be taken care of because this is not my plan or my ideas. This is all from you. Well, do you understand? Confession is the road over which faith carries its mighty cargo. So you speak 
what you believe and what you desire. So even though for when I knew him for the, right before he went to heaven, it was 69 and three quarters of years he'd been in ministry. So almost 70 years, just short of 70 years. He pray the same thing. Why? Well, his mother passed away. He's in the room. He said, oh, death. First thing he said, whispered, oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, grave, where is your victory? He was a man of the word. So you ought to be a man of the word, woman of the word. Because what do you do? Well, then you rely upon the Lord wholly and fully and you speak the word. So you get upset at a relationship that you have, speak the word. What's the word say? Concerning love. I'm not going to put myself first in this. I want to put you first in this. I mean, yeah, I have some desires, but my greater desire is to bless you and help you. Well, you find if you say that, then you can do it. But if you try to think it, and then I'm going to act it, it becomes very difficult. But you ever, like, I have four little children, and so um, sometimes to get them to forgive their brother or sister is the hardest thing. I say, okay, just say these words. I don't want to say those words. I don't want to say. There is power in words, and you see it from the youngest to the oldest. Like I remember, you know, Peter talks about, you know, that, you know, you walk in love with your wife that it doesn't hinder your prayers to men, right? So I love Pastor Mark's story. He's like, when he was first married to Pastor Trina, uh, you know, he was kind of not being nice to her. And uh, so he just, he's like, I'm going to go prepare. It was on a Saturday night. As pastors, I don't know why that stuff happens on Saturday nights, but anyhow. <laughs> Maybe I do know why. So anyhow, um, so he's over there getting ready to study, and the Lord said, I'm not talking to you. You didn't treat your wife right. So he goes, he said, he said I went back into the kitchen, and I was like, uh, hey, Trina, um, well, it's nice weather outside today, isn't it, huh? She's like, yeah. He's like, well, I was wrong, please forgive me. You know, he's like mumbling it, trying to say it real fast. He doesn't want to say it. Why? There is such power in your words. But do you know when you do that and then you actually say it? It's like, I don't know, there's like a weight that was on you that kind of like just lifts right off. like, And then you're like, why was that so hard for me to do? That wasn't hard. That was easy. Well, because your words are so powerful they will guide your entire life. Like we said at the beginning, what you have today is because of what you said yesterday. And so in your relationships and in your prayer life, it's all from your believing and your speaking. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, dynamic in its working. Amen. You can leave. It's no problem. It's no problem. It's no problem. Thank you for coming. We have to be out of here anyhow. So uh, any... Uh, Quick thoughts or comments before we pray. Praise the Lord. She said, wow, that was good. I just voiced it loud. This is going to be on SoundCloud, right? Yeah, regu yeah, yeah regular. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yep. And I think when we do these, we'll start videoing them too, and we can put them on there. We won't video all of you unless you want to be, but... <laughs> thoughts or comments? What, what, stuck, what stood out to you? It's important to do that, even if you don't have time to do it now, but you kind of talk about it with somebody on the way home or thought, right now. Yes. I have a thought about what, what draws us here. Someone, one of my people that I see that knew Kenneth Hagin and all. So they, they, they mentioned that God is like a uh, magnet that draws us, that we don't really do 
as you said, we're drawn here. I mean, I didn't just really, I, I was drawn here. I mean, I was drawn here, you know, months ago, but mm -hmm. even tonight I get drawn to this just like everyone else here. Really, we don't, we may think we do it, but right. we don't, we really don't. We're just, God, God is a magnet and God draws us into this as a fellowship. So that's, he's so good. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I mean, you just don't, most, a lot of times you just don't comprehend that. Well, you know, I have this 10-volume uh, dictionary that I love, and in there, it has this, a lot of people, it's like a joke, because I'm young, I didn't like dictionaries. Anyhow, definition of faith, where I, I quote many times the one part of it where it talks about that, um, you know, it's a total turning away from self, self-confidence, the things of the world, and turning to Christ. But there's a part in there that I, what, for whatever reason, haven't emphasized a lot, it literally says that faith is not of yourself. It originates in God and is from God. In other words, your faith in God, and of course we know he's given to every man the measure of faith, but that faith, us believing in God, it is a gift of God. It, it's, it literally, I'll have to reread it and then um, I'll come back and tell you guys, but it literally is something supernatural that goes beyond natural human things that comes from Him. And when you are born again, you come in contact with that. And you're just like exactly what you're saying. When you are coming to Him, it is from Him that we come to Him. So the more you understand this and, and you, you focus on this, the more awesome, you're magnifying the Lord. Like that statement magnifies the Lord. It doesn't magnify me or you like I am some great person of faith. That's why I say T.L. Osborne, he, I quoted on Sunday, he would say, you can tell me about your faith in God or your love for God. That does not impress me one bit. But what impresses me is God's faith in you and love for you. But you understand the more you uh, live in that consciousness, the more that he's able to lead you, guide you, show you, and direct you. Praise the Lord. That's really good. Woo! If I wasn't tied down, I might run. <laughs> but uh, they got me tied down. Yeah. Like it's past tense. Yeah. And um, as, as you know, um, Andrew and I are, you know, in the Karis school, and, and that's pretty much the same teaching as Andrew talks about. And um, we've been watching one of his videos. Um, it's, it's like a series um, that they were selling when I went out to Colorado okay. for healing. And so one of the pastors that's teaching in this series um, – was talking about how God had given him a vision of um, how that when Jesus went to the cross, like he literally saw himself there, mm. like in his sins and sickness yeah. and disease, everything being put on Jesus. And like it was already done. And he, you know, he went down with Jesus and, you know, and came up with him and ascended into heaven. Mm. And seated at the right hand and that is our position and as soon as yeah. we accept Christ we receive that you know the spirit of Christ that new creation in Christ Jesus mm -hmm. and like it's everything is already done and he was yeah. talking about um, 
how that when Jesus um, defeated sin, that he defeated sickness. Yep. And he actually quoted that scripture, which I've never heard. I've only ever heard it used in marriage. Like what God, what God is joined together, let no man put asunder. Yeah. And how that God joined um, everything together at the cross and put oh, everything on good. Jesus. And so it's already done. And when you start yeah. thinking of everything already being accomplished, that we're not trying to get anything. It's just a matter of receiving it and standing yeah. in faith. And and um, kind of what you said that the um, the bridge, something about a bridge. Oh yeah, confession is the road over which faith carries, carries its mighty cargo. Yeah. Like you know, we confess that and get in the Word and renew our mind to that, and we're just receiving what's already been yeah. implanted in us. Yeah. And it's um, it's so powerful, but I never had heard that verse quoted. It's already done. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. Shall have that. been done. Yeah, yeah, it's still that's still my spirit's like turning flips, and my head still is like, oh, yeah. I don't fully get that, but yeah. that is awesome. Yeah, I know. When you think about it, like, wow, it's um, you know, it's a new revelation. It's faith activated. Yeah. I mean, the second that you believe it and speak it, yeah. it's it's been done mm-hmm. in heaven. Shall have been done in heaven. It's, but not shall have been for you until you do it. That's why some people will go to hell if they don't accept the Lord. But the second they do, shall have been done. They could do it, you know, you know a nanosecond before Christ returns, and they'll be right there. Because then it becomes a reality for them back there. But not only, not only your, you know, we we some we we incorrectly uh, limit salvation to like your spirit only. But like you're saying, it affects your finances, it affects your body, it affects your mind. Yeah. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah. Hallelujah. And I, I mean, and we, we have seen that so many times with like finances, mm. you know, where we've done nothing but literally like stood on the word, yeah. you know, for financial things and yep. just seeing things happen and, you know, yeah, and just amazing things happen. But I, I guess I never had come to the understanding before getting involved with, um, with Andrew's teaching yep. that it's already been done, you know, that, yeah. that everything has already been paid for for us and it's already right. been done. We just find a scripture and hold to that. Yeah, because the flesh nature wants to accomplish something. Yeah. You know, your flesh, you want, I did this, I did that. Yeah. And, um, you know, the flesh doesn't take too kindly uh, to switching that around, but once it gets used to being in submission to your spirit, yeah. and you, you realize, and that's why you'll have people that they'll start out, well, Paul talked about the Galatian church, how is it that you are so soon turned away from the faith that you once believed? He's talking to them, you know, you were people of grace before where you actually understood that this was a gift of God. He did it. It's not of yourself. And now you're going into works and you're trying to say, well, look, I did this and I can do this. And, you know, so uh, being born again is not, doesn't make you immune from that. You know, when you're first born again, you're so thankful because you're like so conscious of like, whoa, this is new life. But even then, Paul said, then don't try to go back and live the way you used to live. You got to understand this is all done, and now you just live in the reality of it. Yeah, he's, Andrew, Andrew says that in a really awesome way. I can't remember how to quote him saying that, but he has a whole thing on it. Yeah. 
Was he? At the healing, the, the healing seminar? No, no, no. It was actually on an old tape I was listening to. Oh, okay. To. Yeah, you can send that to the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah, send it. Yeah. Do you want to tell it, Mary? Do you yeah. know? Well, they just, they had, um, you know, two, I guess like two jars of water. And they've done this with rice as well, where he would speak certain. Oh, yeah. Believe yeah. Good things and bad things. And, and the, crystal, they would, the crystals would be. Yeah. 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 Water was left in our microscope. Yeah. And then they got that rice. Yeah, we had Evie do that with plants yeah. two years ago. And she, she, she like didn't cuss at, but cursed a plant, <laughs> spoke bad things over one, and good things over the other, and they responded to what she said. That's what I was thinking. When you were one plant about, flourished, exactly what yeah, I and the other one was like nasty. And my mind went right to that, because that was mm -hmm. such an amazing thing that... And it's something you can actually physically see. Yeah. Right, right. You're like, wait, this actually works. So I have faith now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It does work, yeah. An abundance, yeah. More than they did, even when they were good, you know, when his when they were before they went the pot, I guess. Yeah. That's why it's so important what you speak over children. Because mm -hmm. it it affects them. Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. It comes when you're born again. Yes, and it's accessing, or, or when you you're submitting yourself to God. Yep. Right. When you're praying. Yep. And recognizing what has already been done. Right. That is how. When you said, you know, I think the, the uh, statement I wrote it down about when you're um, when you're praying co correctly. Okay. Or when I pray, I'll come to the Lord as a righteous man of God, and amazing things. Yeah. Coming to God as a righteous man or woman is not about being perfect. Right. It's about recognizing. Right. I don't come because I've done so many things yeah, right. rightly or even according to the word yeah. because that produces self-righteousness. Right. But this is not 
righteousness of self. This is righteousness that is of God or comes from him. And I like E.W. Kenyon. He said, really, it's twofold. You have the nature of righteousness that you get when you are born again as part of a new creature. So your nature is now righteousness. But then he said, also, you are counted righteous or declared righteous. So it's a twofold righteousness. And um, so you have it on, on both ways where you're the real Andrew, the spirit man that you are, was born righteous, reborn righteous, born from above. And then you're also declared to be righteous, both. So every, every, everything is covered. You know, every aspect is. So you were born that way and you're declared that way. And um, if you live... You'll notice if you live in sin consciousness, you live in weakness and failure consciousness. But if you live in righteousness consciousness, you live in the favor of God consciousness. And, and the more conscious you are of that. But some people, it's a good point because some people um, start to grab hold of some of these things and they think, well, I, I can just say what I want to say, do what I want to do because I'm a person of faith. And they, they're not because of Jesus. It's more because of who Jesus made me. But they can almost get... Uh, a scent, like a little smell, of being independent of Christ. But nothing we have, like Paul said, is of ourselves. We shouldn't boast as if, what do we have that we have not received? So you, you keep that mindset and that consciousness that, well, I said it, I think we ministered on it a couple weeks ago, isn't Jesus wonderful? When you realize, look what he did. He set me free from myself. Right? The devil and all that, yeah. But sometimes yourself is your greatest enemy. And you're like, wait a second. If I just focus on the goodness of God, like Jesus, how awesome he is, and God and what he's done, and like, wait a second. Then in, when you mess up and you want to go pray, you will almost start laughing when you go to pray. You may start laughing. Because you're like, this is, this is too good to be true. Like, are you serious? Like, it's not a license to sin because your heart is not there at all. So obviously we're not talking about that. But it is, a, it is freedom from those mistakes and those limitations that human flesh has. Because your flesh has limitations. But in Christ, the possibilities are limitless. And so you're like, wait a second, I get to come. And when you start coming with that consciousness, you watch. If you do that, you will get lost in the Spirit when you pray. In other words, lost in the Spirit, you become more conscious of spiritual things than natural things. And you'll be like... I thought I'd pray for 10 minutes. I'd pray for like an hour and a half. And you'll, you'll begin to see things and know things from the Lord. You'll, you'll, in other words, you'll access other places in God that you have only been a dream or a hope to you. It, it'll usher you in. Because you're not doing it in your own strength. You're looking to Him. You're already in that position looking to Him. Well, then He can lead you, guide you. Out of your belly flow rivers of living water. This is what He spoke of His Spirit. So you get into the flow. And you're in that flow. Well, what happens when you're in a flow? If you get a little river, you're in that flow. You put a little boat or something in there. Every year when we do pumpkins, we used to live on a creek in Michigan. We'd always put the pumpkins in the, in the little creek river thing. And they would get in the flow, and they would go down, and they would go down. Not because of themselves they're doing it. They're just in the flow. And so you get there in your consciousness with God and you're, you're, they looked on Him to receive. And so you put yourself looking to Him to receive. God is a giver. 
That's the reason people don't receive. They're not looking on him to receive because looking on him to receive is the look of faith. That's like he has something and I'm, I'm drawn to him. I, I, I'm open to him. I want to receive what he has. I want everything he has for me. Well, then, you know, he's going to give you so much. You know, a, a man of great understanding is like a deep, was it a deep well, the proverb says, and a man of understanding will draw it out. Wisdom's like a deep well. A man of understanding will draw it out. So you can be with someone who has great understanding of spiritual things or even natural things. But if you do all the talking or you just say, hey, Andrew, I just want to ask you one little thing, da, da, da. You may have like a great breadth and depth of more information, but when someone really knows it, they don't normally just blab it out. You have to honor them and humble yourself before them, and then you'll get like this, all of this rich stuff. Well, how much more is God that way? And you come humbly before Him and look to Him. I mean, I, I never go away empty when I come to the presence of the Lord if I'm coming with like this. You know, open, looking to Him to receive. And He will, He, it's impossible that He doesn't supply because He is supply. It's like saying, I went to God and He didn't love me. That's, that's a lie. That's not possible. That's not a truth. Because He is love. So you will experience love. Sometimes it's the loving hand of correction. Like you need to go talk to that person and apologize to them. Really? <laughs> yes, I'm serious. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Anybody else real quick and then we'll pray. It's been good, yes. Uh, you know, what we lose here will have been loosed. Yes. And bound by the lot. The word that came to me was retroactive. Yeah. 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 All of the lines have already been laid, and they're all connected. It's just that one switch. That's good. That's good. The lines that from eternity, you connect with those lines from eternity. Whew. That's awesome. All right, we're supposed to be out in five minutes, so I'm going to pray a prayer of, believe with me. Well, see, like this, so what I would say, you act in faith. So then what I say is, if I was concerned about it, I'm not, but let's pretend I was. I will pray what needs to be prayed within five minutes or less. Now, I say that from my heart. So that woman with her children, the reason that she had faith in God she didn't like quote a scripture when Brother Hagen came per se, you know, call the elders of the church, anoint him with oil in the prayer of faith to save the sick. She didn't quote that. She just said, I'm calling you because I know God loves those children and doesn't want those children sick. That is a statement of faith of who God is and how he is. And she knew that she was standing on that combined with call for the elders of the church. And so she got what she believed, but she put her words out there. So, praise the Lord. We'll do this quick. Father, we thank you.
uh, for your word. We thank you that you have made us righteous in Christ Jesus. And I pray for each person right now that's listening to this. Father, that you will, uh, as we go in our own private prayer life, to pray and to come before you as righteous individuals, righteous people. Father, that you will open up to us new realms that we have not known, new depths in prayer. Father, we thank you that when we pray as your righteous children, that our prayers given birth by unction and utterance from you are powerful and effective and they are well-pleasing to you and they accomplish the very thing to where they are sent. Father, we thank you for it and we plead the blood of Jesus that what he has purchased for every single one of us, that it shall be ours in every area of our life. We thank you that it is and that as we appropriate it by faith, it shall have been done in heaven. In Jesus' name, amen.